run. Hello and welcome to another episode of Here's What You Could Have Run podcast. I've been a bit sporadic getting these out lately, but I'm trying to get a bit more organised and keep the frequency a little bit more regular. I had some feedback from listeners who were saying they're really enjoying it, but they'd like to see it a bit more often. So yeah, I'm going to pull my finger out and see if I can keep on top of that. One of the reasons I've been a bit slow recently, other than work and general COVID issues, is putting the finishing touches to the second book which is now all signed with a publishing contract. Again, that's with Sandstone Press, and that should be out summer next year. And it's sort of a guide to ultras and recounting some of the fun or not fun as it's been issues that I've had uh, during some of my ultras. So similar to the first book, Run Like Duck, which is hopefully a useful guide to beginning running with some uh, comedy thrown in. This is more on the ultra side. With again, hopefully a few bits to uh, make you smile, even if it's only in worried acknowledgement of that you've been in the same situation as well. I've basically lost up a mountain. Question your poor life choices. And speaking of being lost and up a mountain, today I'm going to be talking to Steve Morris, who is a local Redway runner. There's quite a lot of them, about 3,000 Milton Keynes. So if when you bump into, it seems to have a green top somewhere hidden away. He's been running for about 10 years now um, and he's very much uh, keen on the ultra side of it. And the race that he's going to be talking about is the Eco Trail Madeira, which is a race I've never heard of. And it's in Madeira, which is a Portuguese island. And I have to apologise in advance because all through this interview, I intended to make a joke about whether or not the race was a piece of cake. And not only have I just messed the joke up there, but I didn't even bother asking it during the interview so we got too distracted talking about everything from racing to cheat sticks to insurance and how much it might cost to get helicopter off the edge of a mountain so i hope you enjoy it uh steve's a lovely bloke with a hell of a lot of uh changing ultras to his name so we certainly uh, got a lot to add joining me now is steve who's here to talk about the eco trail madeira which was a exotic foreign race he did in the sunshine whilst we've all been sat at home in britain in the rain and the cold so uh, welcome steve hi there <laughs> thanks for coming on just people know sort of where you're coming from and stuff how did you get into running why ultras and, and what made you end up uh running in madeira well yeah absolutely where do you start so i've been i've been running about um about 10 11 years i started um about 2010 just really kind of you know classic i think you hear it quite a lot i just wanted a new hobby i'd spent uh, most of my 20s doing silly things like jumping out of planes flying helicopters just generally you know doing As you do doing crazy i thought things you were like gonna that. say like going down the pub crazy things like jaeger bombs yeah. <laughs> and jumping out of helicopters fine. That's the one, yeah. So um yeah, then I sort of hit my thirties and um, you know, kind of came down to earth with a bump really. I, you know, work, proper job, kids, all that kind of stuff. And I just sort of thought I need a new hobby really. Did a bit of mountain biking, did some orienteering and stuff like that, a bit of adventure racing. because um, I've always had this thing for the mountains, okay. always loved just being outside. And then um so yeah, just decided to take up running. Um so just, then, there going, for anyone that's not done adventure racing, just what what's that? Because that's quite a, a niche sub sport, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a 
it sort of marries up, you know, things like running, mountain biking, maybe a bit of kayaking, a bit of navigation, orienteering, and, you know, you tend to have a set amount of time, whether that's six hours or 12 hours or the longer ones are, you know, 24 hours plus, and you do a bike stage, you do a run stage, you maybe need to end up at point X in a certain window, and then there'd be a, um, a challenge, you'd either maybe have to do a bit of abseiling or something. So there's a bit of sort of throwing everything in, <laughs> lots of different disciplines, really, which is what I liked about it. Oh. <laughs> cool so then after that you thought you'd focus on the running bit is that because you yeah. felt better at it or well i just sort of i think it was an easy hobby um to just pick up and you can go out for a run for half an hour after work that kind of thing and so uh, i started and just did that for a couple of years so it's about 2010 um and just you know was a bit like what you you're going you're going for a run you know i got a bit of that when i first started you know because uh, i'd be, become sofa bound i think like a lot of people yeah um so yeah that, yeah just did a couple of years of just getting into it and really then yeah got into ultras i think it's 2012 I'd, I'd seen my sister do i'd supported her do the london to brighton so she'd been doing ultras that's how i kind of first mm. found out about them I think that was, about, that was about 2010. And I remember thinking, sod that. Why? Why on earth would anyone <laughs> want to run, you know, 100k? And I sort of met her at, at Ditchling Beacon, her last descent down into Brighton. And at the time, it was just incomprehensible that anyone would want to do that. But uh, things change, as we all know. <laughs> exactly. Well, to be fair, the train surface is that bad to Brighton. It was probably easier than trying to get the train. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> So cool. yeah, so ultras kind of fell out of that really. I, I um, uh, that was on my first hit, and then I saw a, a YouTube video in 2012, um, which popped up about about UTMB, you know, about the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, and that kind of just spurred me into ultras. Really, I decided. So one of the hardest like, ultras tempted you into it, then. That's the, that's the one. I thought, <laughs> wow, you know, they they market these things really well. And I just thought, wow, that's incredible. I knew I was a million miles away, but that just sort of started the ultra journey, and I started looking up races that I could get points. <laughs> and so, so yeah. what you, how, do you, well, how do you sort of progress into ultras then? Because so, what did yeah, so you that, start with? An ostensible 30 or? Well, well, I think you probably know the answer to that, Mark, already. <laughs> My first ultra, although it was flat, it was in Norfolk. It was 100k. I decided to do the nice. Norfolk Coastal Ultra and that was in 2012. Um, and it was that had utmb points that's why i chose it um but i didn't have a clue really i didn't know what i was you know doing it's kind of i'll give it a go see how far i can get see how far i can run and I actually did pretty well i think finished it in about 12 hours 48 or something for the for the mm. 100k there's about eight miles of shingle um <laughs> there was plenty of nice coastal stuff um but i didn't have a clue about the hydration i remember like you know maybe too much information but i remember basically i was i was peeing black pretty much yeah. for two days <laughs> off because i'd rather dehydrated <laughs> yeah you, after a while you become a bit obsessed with the color of your piss don't you when you start doing uh, endurance races <laughs> very much so <laughs> i mean that seems quite a jump to go from sort of having a go at running to doing a, a 62 miler in within the space of a couple of years yeah it was that that just kind of sums me up i think though really i just you know both feet first really just jump in and you know give it a go and see how you get on but you know i survived it and learned a lot that first day and then yeah started doing a couple you know maybe two three races a year after that and um 
just introduced more mountain stuff later on as I sort of, you know, found these qualifying races and wanted to get myself mm. on this UTMB trail. So how many you've done UTMB and having your least runs, isn't it? Yeah, so I've done um of that series I've done uh, U- um, I've done the TDS, I've done CCC and I've done the UTMB itself. So yeah, I've just got one of the four left to do. Oh, just the baby one. <laughs> Not worth going out for the baby one, is it? Well, no, it's almost like a, a weekend fly out and back. But uh, but yeah, so I've done. So I've been running ultra since 2012, and I've done 45 now. So that's that, that's an impressive amount. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, and it all kind of came. The the idea was put in my head of doing 50 races before I was 50 by one of my friends that I was running with, and that that just kind of thought, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And then there you go, you know, like eight years later, I've done 45 of the bloody things. I hope he's covering the race fees for that, as it's his idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not cheap, some of them are, especially when you start travelling and that as well. Well, exactly, which, yeah, brings us on to this one then. So you've just, well, recently-ish back from the Eco Trail Madeira, which probably a lot of people, me included, have, have never even heard of. And I'll be honest, a lot of people probably couldn't find it on a map. No. What is no, it no, and no. where is it? So um, so Madeira is an, an island out in the Atlantic that belongs to Portugal. It's it's about 100 miles south of Tenerife. So most people know where Tenerife is. It's stuck out, you know, kind of off the west coast of Africa, about 100 miles out. Yeah, just a 100 miles further south, you've got Madeira, which, um, I mean, it's a lovely island. I, I went there for the first time last year um, to run this edition, you know, the, fir- the previous edition of the race. Um, which I'm sure we'll come on to back for a second mm. go um, this year. But it's a beautiful island. They call it the Island of Eternal Spring. It's got a really lovely climate. It's sort of 20, 20 to 30 degrees pretty much all year round, really. Oh, um, nice. Lovely green, lush island, very mountainous. Um, and it just sort of reminds me of Norway in some ways, really steep kind of mountains that drop straight into the sea. Um, highest point's about 1,800 metres. So it's quite rugged. And one of the locals said to me over there, you know, there's no such thing as flat in Madeira. You're either going up or down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you, um, it's the Eco Trail uh, event, which I think is a, a series of races. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So I think um, the first Eco Trail started in in Paris. It's been going about 13 years, and it's developed into this race series where they're pretty much all over Europe and and a bit beyond now. So um, that that sort of kind of that appealed really because I, I do like traveling combining the races mm. with um with a kind of long weekend or a holiday so i'd actually run i ran the paris one uh, back in 2018 i think it was so that was um that was great went out there with a, with a friend friend of mine paul newton we went both ran that together so that was a 50 miler and i think what appealed about that one was that the finish basically yeah, you run 50 miles and then you run up to the first stage of the eiffel tower so you've got 330 <laughs> steps that must have been comedy so yeah so that was interesting and then you finish and they give you a beer so we were at um the first stage of the eiffel tower about one o'clock in the morning beer in hand having just run 50 miles in the snow in march <laughs> so, so that was fun um and then I went and did Florence last year. There's a, there's one out there just before nice. obviously COVID struck. But um, they're all over. I've got my eye on. There's there's a race in Stockholm, Oslo. There's one in Madrid, um, Geneva. In fact, I was due to do one in Brussels in September, but yeah, that's one of my sort of cancelled races. So, yeah, and and the idea behind them, I think, is they're ecologically 
um, friendly races, bringing trail running into the city um, and, you know, eco-responsible and that kind of thing. So it's a nice, nice series and they're, mm -hmm. yeah, they're well organised, um, re really good, enjoyable races in some quite picturesque places. And are they just going to sign up before it sells out type approach? You need to ballot for anyone or? Um, the some of the ones that have been going longer, I think, uh, um, like the Paris one is really popular. I think there were, you know, there, there were different distances between 15 and 85 kilometres. Um, and some of those, I think, sell out fairly quick. Mm. But like Madeira, I think, I, I guess being, you know, it's a four hour flight from the UK. Um, it's so that might put some people off, but it's, it's worth the trip. But that was just an enter and, and you're in. And actually on the start line of the 85K, I think there are only about 60 of us. So it was a pretty low-key race. Okay, that's cool. And um, being uh, a one, obviously people have raced, who will even stuff like Paris Marathon and stuff. Are there any medical issues? No, so I didn't, I didn't have to do any. I mean, I had to do medical declaration, but it was just a web form. There's no need to... Which is similar to what we do over here, isn't it? You know, I won't see you if I die type form. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. So no, nothing onerous, just a just a few, cool. a, a web form for sort of, you know, COVID. And you had to, I had to do the, the COVID kind of test before I went, um, that kind of thing that we've all got used to yeah. trying to do anything this year. Yeah, because I know at Paris, I had to get a doctor's note, and also when I was raced Grand Canary, I needed another one. So I think Italy's yeah. really bad, isn't it? Or you know, yeah, so you look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but no, nothing like that. So that was quite good. Cool. So the one in Madeira, you did the eighty-five k one. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you weren't tempted by a nice short fifteen k and get to the pub earlier, no? Well. <laughs> it did it did cross my mind but i do it would have i would have felt like a bit of a flake if i'd kind of gone back second year running and yeah. half the distance i suppose the four-hour flight for a race that would probably take you two hours probably seems a bit <laughs> exactly so yeah i mean we have to uh we can't not sort of go back to that so you tried it once before last year what happened yes well yeah so there was um so yeah, this is my second year running. So I had a go in 2019 and that was actually a bit controversial, but I was timed out um, after about half distance, just under half distance, but I was timed out um, at a point that wasn't a cutoff. Um, there was 10 mm. of us that were basically stopped at this point and I was the first. Um, and then you yeah, had nine others behind me sort of joined us. Um, and we were sort of turned around and sent back down this this hill to be put in a minibus and back to the start. And um, so I was a bit miffed, really. At the time, you know, your knackered, you've been going sort of, you know, best part of 12 hours. You don't really argue. The race officials are there, you know, doing their job. Mm. But afterwards, I got back and I was back in my um, accommodation mid-afternoon thinking I should be out slogging my guts out <laughs> another 10 hours yet. Well, this is not right. Um, so I put a complaint in to the race director and sort of, you know, went into um, spreadsheet overload looking at cutoffs and, in you know, pace mm. uh, minimum pace requirements this and it, it didn't look fair to me the, the pace requirement on the middle section was way way quicker than anything before it or after it so i put a complaint in and said you know we, a i shouldn't have been stopped there there was no cutoff there and b actually you look at your um your paces that they're, they're not right i was expected mm. to do i can't remember what 12 13 minute miles on that section and 19 20 minute miles for the section before and after so um they they thought about it and then agreed to make some changes and offer me a free oh, place yeah. so yes yeah, so that's how i ended up going back for the second year so. cool so it's, it's a bit more reasonable for 
um, other runners then from now on? Yeah, I, I mean that that section I was timed out on last year. They've put it's just before the halfway point, and they've put an extra hour and a half on the cutoff there. So I think you know that was that was very so fair. You're, yeah, you're an experienced ultra runner, and you've done sort of sub twenty four for hundred miles. So you're not some first timer from a marathon having to go in the hills bumbling around, are you? Yeah. No, this is it. Yeah. You should be you, getting you, cut you, off unfairly. You know how to keep keep within yourself when you've done enough of these races, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> Cool. So you thought you go about this year for vengeance. Yeah. Did you actually think it was going to happen? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I mean, good question because uh, I think um, you know the flight had been booked. I think I got my free place way back before all this happened. The flight mm. had been booked and accommodation was booked. Um, got an email about a month out, sort of saying, "Yep, yeah, we've you know we're COVID safe. We've got all these um, changes in place. With the, the events going ahead." Um, so I was confident the event would happen. Then um, British Airways changed the flights, obviously with everything going on. It was, I was originally flying from Gatwick. They then pretty much pulled out of Gatwick and moved the flight to Heathrow. And I thought, okay, that's fair enough. That's not so bad. So then I was fairly confident I was going to get there. And then, uh, and then it all came down to actually what's going to be happening in the UK. Are we going to be in a second lockdown? Yeah, they point? might not want you, Madeira. <laughs> No, no, exactly. What is there going to be a quarantine? Am I going to be able to get a test within 72 hours before I go and all this sort of thing? So it's probably only really about a week before I felt confident that everything was going to fall into place and I'd actually be there. <laughs> so how do you go about in Milton Keynes, which is obviously renowned for being really hilly, training for a pretty mountainous 85k race when you think it may not even happen? I mean, a lot of people probably perhaps slack it off and then cram in the mileage in the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a weird one this year because, you know, you, nothing's been the same. What what you mm. might have normally done. So, I mean, typically for previous mountainous races, I would just, I'd head off to Wales or the Peak District, somewhere like that. And, you know, and I mean, I've done, you know, do Snowden reps, for example. I'd be, go up Snowden one side, down the other, and try and repeat that and do that three or four times. <laughs> and that's a nice <laughs> session. <laughs> try and take in every path. Um, but obviously with Wales lockdown and not being able to do that, there's not very much you can you can really do. So I, I don't think I was particularly well trained for this. But I mean, you just find out the, the local hills. I mean, you know, anyone from Milton Keynes knows the hill we call Puke Hill. That's about yeah. the, the <laughs> best the we've got. We got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's about 80 metres um, from bottom so to it's top. It's similar to the 1600 metres or something you were talking about yeah. earlier then, yeah. Exactly. exactly. There are a few reps of that, but that's about the best you can do. It's a challenge. Yeah. You didn't weren't tempted to try and run with a tire dragging down you. I've seen people do that to try and simulate running up hills. <laughs> I've never done anything like that. I think maybe I've maybe I've got a bit of a relaxed view about training. I think yeah. I have to when you try and fit it in around, you know, work and family and all the rest of it, I think you just have to do enough to tick the boxes in your head and, and you know just have that confidence in your head you've given it your best shot really <laughs> definitely so um in terms of the, you said it's about a four-hour flight to get out there was it was there yeah, a expo and stuff pick your numbers up i mean logistically if i sign up for this next year when do i need to fly out yeah um so there's a you can pick up your numbers the race is on the saturday you can pick up your numbers on the thursday or the friday and i say everything was a bit scaled back this year but there is there's the kind of you know the the, the expo trade stands the you know the the photo opportunity all that kind of stuff mm. in the, the the start and finish is right in the kind of center of funchal which is the which is the capital um 
and you know there was just a bit of covid queuing and social distancing and stuff this year um pick up your your goodie bag and, and off you go but i mean I, I reckon you could probably fly fly out friday morning and back sunday night if you really had to yeah um, and there were there were people there i think there are only about four or five brits in it but i got chatting to a couple of the other guys and um one was flying back sunday night another was flying back monday morning so you could do it on a fairly short weekend if you, if you just you need mind. yeah one night in a hotel then and yeah it's yeah. not too bad then is it so i mean you said it's uh nice weather out there the race was october so we had a pretty awful October, and a lot yeah. of people. I think the week before, I think it was a, well, two weeks before, was a fake London Marathon weekend. Everyone got trench foot. That's it. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then you jet off to sunny climbs. What is it like out there? Could you take the family and kids and get a bit of sunbathing in? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think the weather at that time of year. I think. I mean, it would say it was it was low twenties, so it was sort of twenty to twenty four when I was out there. So. You know, it's not kind of burning on the beach kind of weather, but it's definitely pleasant. It's t-shirt and shorts the whole time. Nice. I mean, even at night, the lowest it dropped dropped to was about 18. You know, so it's a really consistent, warm climate. It's obviously very, you know, eating outside, and you know, everyone sort of, as I say, t-shirt and shorts. So, um, if you took the family with you, they wouldn't be bored. There's lots to do. There's there's plenty of sights to see, and you know, it's, it's a lovely kind of um, just a Mediterranean feel. That's that kind of Portuguese, yeah. Mediterranean type island. I've heard the night of being October, you trained in the British summer, haven't you? So it's not yeah. like some of these yeah. spring ones, like when I went Grand Canary, it wasn't hot, hot, but compared to our our winter, it was a bit of a shock suddenly going up yeah. 15 degrees. Yeah, absolutely. So no, it was nice. I enjoyed it. I could have stayed there. <laughs> cool. So it's, uh, you said it's a 6 a.m. start on the Saturday. Yeah. So in terms of logistics, how do you get breakfast and stuff in a hotel if you've got to be on the start line at 6? Well, I mean, yeah, that it can be a challenge. I mean, what I tend to do is is book self catering accommodation if I can. So I had a, I had an apartment this time. Um, and actually, that's the other thing with Madeira. The accommodation is pretty cheap. It's a lot cheaper than you might find in some mm. of these resorts in the Alps or some of the more you know sort of more popular um, holiday spots. So I had a, I had a, a rooftop apartment which sounded lovely, and uh, until I tried to get up the three flights of stairs after the race, <laughs> <laughs> should have thought of that. That's <laughs> So, so um, that's easy though, isn't it? You can just sort yourself out for breakfast, whatever you exactly. normally Exactly. I just had got myself a bowl of porridge and and took a banana with me and 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 a bottle of energy drink just to drink on the way. And I'd booked somewhere that was it was less than half a mile from the start and finish, okay, so it was yeah. a, it was quite easy really. So I mean, were you confident from the start line that you were going to make it round this time? Did you have a finish time? Were you just trying not to get cut off? I, I think I was. I was more confident, I think, that, but I was also a bit apprehensive because the fact that you've gone and had a go once and, mm. and not finished a race really kind of um, ups the ante. You think, I've got, you know, I'm not one for giving up. So if I, if I don't get around this time, I'm going to have to come back a third time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I was confident in a couple of ways. One, obviously, they they made the cutoffs more even. Um, and so that was definitely going to be helpful. I think last year I was also nursing a little bit of a knee niggle as well. And mm. I mean, the, the terrain is very steep. It's, you know, so there's 5,600 metres of climb in this 50, 53 miler. So um, you are literally either going up or down. Um, and the terrain is very, um, there's lots of steps, but there's also this kind of cobbled, um, a lot of the mountainsides until you get up really high, they're really steep kind of, 
cobbles that are almost made into steps and not quite so it's quite tricky to, mm. to run on some of it but um I, I was confident i didn't have this knee because that was really slowing me down last year my my knee niggle i was that's what i reckon caught me out a bit of the knee but also i i was um perhaps a bit too much of a tourist because the views are fabulous so i was a bit like oh picture selfie here you know and like wow look at this view and oh, so you can be know. an influencer before long instagram eh? <laughs> Well, I think most influencers don't actually run races, they just take pictures. That's right, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so you set off, you're relatively confident. How did it go then? Um, yeah, it, actually, it went really, really well. I think I'd, I'd been, I'd looked quite carefully at the pace I wanted to hit between the different checkpoints, and I had the, I had the uh, map of the route on my watch. Um, and my phone so uh, and I had a little kind of pace ready reckoner so I, was, I had a fairly mm. good plan of what I wanted to do um, and the times I wanted to keep inside at certain points and what was so, that based um, on because it's quite hard in a marathon you know you want to do 10 minute miles or whatever but mm -hmm. a hilly one like that are you just aiming for yeah do I don't know six miles in this period or how do you even come up with a pace uh, just sort of did it you know um checkpoint to checkpoint really because as you say you can't really have a, a mile split because mm. um it might be there might be 150 meters of climb in that mile or there might be 150 meters of descent you know so i, I tend to do them just checkpoint to checkpoint because you know the mileage um you know the miles between the checkpoints you also know the amount of ascent and descent mm. and you can kind of you know factor in a fatigue factor or whatever you want to call it and so you know if the first checkpoint was about five miles and i thought you know there's a fair bit of climb but like it'd probably take me an hour you know i don't know an hour and 15 hour and 30 whatever it was so i'd just work it at checkpoint to checkpoint and and just try and stay ahead and then in the second half of the race quite often what i tend to do is i i look at how far i am ahead of cutoff and i just try and build a bigger cushion so if i'm an hour and a half ahead at a certain point I'll try and be an hour and 45 or two hours ahead you know come the next point and yeah that just builds a bit of confidence in yeah and the um, checkpoints, I mean, what are they like in COVID times? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's very well managed. Um, I think it, racing in, in the time of COVID is very different. In that You've got mm. to be prepared to put a mask on as you go into a checkpoint, all that kind of thing, and social distancing. So they, they, they want to get you in and out as quick as possible. So there's not lots of runners milling around. But, I mean, it was well organised. There were sort of gazebos and, and marquees perched up on the mountain or sometimes down back down in the um in the little villages we went into um and they were the volunteers were masked up and wearing visors and stuff and they were really you were telling them what food you wanted they were using tongs and giving it to you on a oh, disposable good, plate that you then threw away and, um, and refill your own water for that kind of thing so there was a few adjustments but it was it was pretty good and we did you say you had the route and your watch does that mean it wasn't marked at all or was that just for reassurance um no it was yeah it was marked it was it was marked the whole way and actually i think very you know very good marking really the routes the routes fabulous you'd go through some really lovely sort of tourist spots up you know mm. to the second highest point on the island and through you know through some of the kind of this um you know cathedrals and i think about 10 miles in we through the um the the ecological there's like guard you know really lovely kind of ornamental gardens all that kind of thing so yeah really really well marked but i think from experience the later on you get in a in a long race like this the more tired you get 
if there's a little bit of a gap between the markings, you're second guessing yourself and thinking, oh, have I gone wrong? Or was there a junction back there and all this kind of thing? Yeah, you don't add on half a mile, do you, when you're uh, exactly. you know, 80 you don't need bonus miles in that kind of race. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Any bits of the race that really sort of stood out for you? Um, the, the first, well, yeah, I mean, so the first kind of um, maybe 10 miles or eight or 10 miles was just a, a bit of a showcase. You know, it, it was dark for the first couple of hours, but as you climb up, you go, um, there's a cable car station. That's how hilly it is as a cable car in, <laughs> in Funchal. So the first checkpoint is a place called Monte, uh, Monte, which, um, so you sort of get to the cable car station, then you've got this amazing view down over the, over the capital. Um, and it's very popular cruise ships so you can see the harbour and out to sea so when we got up high you know there was there's some great views out to sea um, and yeah so just some really nice kind of the routes on these eco trails they take you through some of these nice touristy places and then you're out on your own on the on the mountain trails and stuff so I, I like the variety so that was mm. really good and um, the highest point on the race as I say, I think the second highest point on the island. So I mean, the views were just stunning, absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, that, so that was a real highlight. I think the biggest highlight of the race was just purely in the timing. Um, I ended up at the, the the last sort of high point before you kind of descend back down from about 1800 metres in perfect timing for sunset. And there'd Lovely, been this yeah. massive bank of cloud had built up. So there was cloud sort of down low. Um, so it was like looking out over a sea of cloud with the with the sun going down this gorgeous golden orange sky and just these little points of rock sticking up here and there and that was just one of these wow moments you just think well you know this incredible the timing and here i am and you know you're just glowing because it's just such a wonderful wonderful moment that's got to be perfect actually because i find that it's that point where the, you've been running all day and it's getting dark that sometimes that's when the brain sort of has a minor fart, shall we say? Yeah. You just wind my up in the middle of a mountain, and it's getting dark, <laughs> and I could be home in bed. I don't know yeah. that probably takes the edge off a bit, doesn't it? And that, that was great. But then, you know, so you, as I start to descend from there, you get nearer and nearer the cloud, and then I suddenly thought, hmm, I better enjoy this because in <laughs> half an hour I'm going to be deep in this in this foggy stuff. So, so yeah, it, it um, within an hour it was um, couldn't see about more than about three meters in front of you. <laughs> So I guess that's important, having it on your watch was definitely useful though. Yeah, just a bit of reassurance, yeah, absolutely. Cool. And in terms of how busy it was then, because there were four distances in total starting off at different times, Did you was it similar routes for them? Did you meet up with any of the shorter distance people or did they follow different routes entirely? So the, the shorter ones, I think they, I mean like the 45k starts, you know, pretty much at the halfway point, but um with the, with the timings yeah there was no overlap really i don't know maybe whether there was overlap between the 45 and the 25 that kind of thing, mm. not sure but certainly um you know mid mid pack 85k i didn't i didn't see anyone from other wow. distances and how busy was it then out there where you could people do get worried a bit don't they run alone at night but stuff that's in touring event you generally there's someone in front of you, you yeah. can follow and you know wait until they catch you up really points you're kind of on your own yeah, I mean, quite the, you know, as I said, it was quite a small race. The field was only about 60 people. Mm. So it's funny how you sort of bunch up and then and then naturally you might not see anyone for an hour. You're on your own yeah. and then you bunch up. And I did buddy up with a couple of people. Um, one one guy, um, local um, Portuguese guy, sort of buddy. I was running with him for about an hour. 
um, just sort of chatting in in very broken, very broken English. My English is not very good. I said, don't worry, it's better than my Portuguese. Yeah, <laughs> typical Brits abroad, aren't we? Yeah. That's the one. I've yeah. done the same when I race in like, Spain and stuff. And you're just like, well, I can order a beer, but I'm not sure that's useful at this halfway juncture of a race. <laughs> I might be able to ask the way to the swimming pool, but that's about it. <laughs> cool. So um, you didn't really have a target, you were saying. You obviously wanted to finish, but when did you finish and how did it go in that final section then when you're running back through the clouds? So, yeah, I mean, in, in my head, I the, the cutoff in this race is 20 hours. So in my head, I wanted to be well ahead. So I sort mm. of set myself this almost arbitrary target of 18 hours. I'd, I'd, I'd given myself like an A, B and C goal, but I thought 18 hours is good. It's it's two hours clear of the cutoff. It's, you know, I would have been well ahead of last time. Um, and I'd sort of worked my pacing on, on that basis. But obviously, at the more the race goes on, the tighter you get. I think, mm. in my mind anyway, you you often think, actually, it doesn't really matter. It's just getting round. It's just, I'd just be happy to finish, you know. Um, so, uh, but coming down through the cloud yeah so it did that did sort of slow me down obviously and you you're kind of questioning yourself making sure oh, how long since i've seen a marker all this kind of thing and and it was so it's probably a couple of hours where it was and i and also that was the point i didn't see anyone else for a long time so um you know coming down from 1800 meters all the way back down to sea level again um was quite it it was i quite enjoy the solitude of it sometimes but you know you are questioning yourself you're tired you're you, you're damp you can't see anything so that was a that was a challenge coming back down but um i i sort of given up on 18 hours at that point and just thought i want to get round. but then as i went to, the, to one of the checkpoints i think i had about 10 miles to go at that point and then i, I came out of the checkpoint and started thinking well you know doing these these sort of pace calculations in my head you know almost distraction tactic yeah like well if i do this this pace for this bit um you know i wonder if i could I, i'm definitely okay with cut off i could walk the whole way but what's going to be you know if i do this pace now could i still come in under 18 hours and i just sort of talk myself into carrying on with it but it was a little bit tighter than i'd liked i did i did come in 1752 in the end so um ran the last three or four miles with uh, with another brit who was out there with me and we just kind of oh come on let's yeah let's finish it together and we did the last sort of three miles we did we did kind of nine minute mile pace just to say we've still got some run left in our legs and let's get this done that's <laughs> impressive after that farm the, the train factory yeah <laughs> cool so we, i mean we missed earlier actually in terms of mandatory kit and stuff is there an inspection like you get at say utmb or is it different at the minute with obviously with covid times they can't route around in your rucksacks so there was there was this there wasn't any particular um, check that the um, final instructions basically said you know you might be checked at any point mm -hmm. and made it clear you know mandatory kit was mandatory and you you do need to carry it um, but the, what I don't from memory I don't think I was checked at any point but I mean the kit wasn't too onerous it was mm -hmm. the usual sort of things you'd expect you know um, waterproof and spare layer and an emergency blanket and means to carry a litre of, of water and that kind of stuff so it was a fairly a pretty reasonable kit list really so you weren't carrying this huge pack on your back yeah that's fine did you take cheat sticks with you 
<laughs> I, I do like I do like my poles when yeah. when it's a really steep race, so really sort of steep, really hilly. I think they're there, but for me, they're more for keep maintaining. It's almost becomes marching. They're kind of um, a bit of stability, um, and uh, on the descents, I think well, I reckon that saved me careering off precipices in the past. Oh, I would definitely, yeah, certainly like when I did the Lake District. I think they kept me upright more than anything else because yeah, yeah, <laughs> the footing's <laughs> not always good, is it? No, this is it. So that was um, yeah, they were worth having definitely. Excellent. But nothing too onerous in terms of what people have got for, say, centurion events or something. There's no particular weird. It's not the sort of race where you need snake venom and uh, signal no. flares and daft stuff like that. No, nothing like that. Nothing too, good, good. nothing too untowards. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so, would you recommend it to someone? Perhaps not to first time. Was there qualification actually for the eighty-five? We didn't say. So no, so there's no there's no qualification as such. You just declare. So you could have done couch to five k and sign up for eighty five k. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, the, the declaration is such that you fully understand what you're signing yeah. up for, and you know you can be autonomous in the mountains and this kind of thing. But there's there's no qualification standard as such. Right. So it's a, yeah, literally log on, pay the money, get in for it. So, so would you recommend if sort of first time it's probably a bit much if you just done marathons? Would you? I mean, it depends. It's a slog, you know. It's a, it's not an easy race. Mm. Five thousand six hundred meters of, of climb um, in the, in the fifty miles. But I mean, you know, I think if you've not done anything beyond marathon distance, you're probably better off going for one of the shorter distances for a first go. I think it is a more, more kind of um, experienced ultra runner mm. type race, or you know, maybe just experienced in the mountains because those climbs uh, i mean there's some big mountain climbs but there's also i mean the the bit that sticks in my memory is out of the halfway checkpoint the um you, you run about 100 meters along the flat and then you turn right up these concrete steps and uh, and and it's literally about the next two miles up stone yeah. steps um up through this estate this kind of you know this village which if you're tired and struggling that's well over an hour isn't it so yeah it, that was they i didn't count them but I mean, I'd be amazed if there were less than about a thousand steps just in that section. <laughs> you just don't really get that in Britain, do you? Like inclines no. that can take you periods of hours to go up. No, absolutely. That's the thing. It's it's alpine. You know, some of these islands and some of the these races in the Alps. They, you know, you you start a climb, you're in it for two hours plus. Yeah. You know, and that, that's <laughs> you can't really train for that in the UK. Not easily. <laughs> Quite hard, no. Unless you've got an escalator, you could just keep running up an escalator at work. <laughs> It's some strange looks. <laughs> cool. So you'd recommend it to people, but obviously not the first one, the 85. Yeah, it's a fabulous race. It's a great island. Definitely, definitely would recommend it, yeah. Cool. And are you going back again, or are you going to try some other eco-trail ones? I've got, yeah, I mean, I've got my eye on some others. Um, I, I think, I mean, of the races, I say, the one the one I really fancy is Reykjavik. There's, there's one in Iceland. Oh, that'd be good. Um, which, I, which I would love, you know, and it's, it's held, I think it's in June where it's so it really it barely gets dark you mm. know so that's they, they tend to be the same distance they'll, they'll have a 15 a 25 a 45 and an 85k roughly so I'd, I'd go for the 85 so i fancy a bit a bit of scandinavia as well so maybe oslo and or stockholm nice. um so and there's a there's one in ireland as well actually i've started one in wicklow which was the first edition mm. last year so that's one a bit closer to home that sounds good then and um something we've got to come on to is, is what's your next running challenge because i've been done utmv and stuff like that you might think that you're 
you've done everything there is to do, but you found something even more fun. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So as I say, I mean, that's been my goal for the last few years, 50, 50 races before I'm 50. So I've just got five more to do to hit that target. So you thought you picked some nice easy runs, yeah? Yeah. So I thought, you know what, when I've hit the 50, I'll, um, I'll do something a bit different. So I've, um, had my eye on it for a while. I love Wales anyway, so I've decided that I'm going to do the Dragons back next year. So I've en- I entered that when it uh, when it opened on the first of September. <laughs> and that's one that uh, amongst the more uh, odd, should we say, ultra runners is quite well known. But if you're coming into this and you've probably done stuff like you know Race of the Stones or similar, you've probably not even heard of it. So what is the Dragons back? So um, basically, it's a multi-day race that takes you the full length of wales it starts in conway conway castle in north of wales um, and then over the next six days you run 380 kilometers um, sleeping in an overnight camp you know um, that's that sort of moved every night finishing in cardiff castle so it is literally you know the, mm. the full length of wales they've just because i've entered they've made it longer this year it was five oh, okay. days so it's six days now and i think you know the first day for anyone who knows North Wales, is the Welsh 3000s route. So it's every mountain over 3000 feet in Wales. It takes in Snowdon, Cribgot, Triven, all, you know, the Glidders, um, all the all the high peaks of Wales. That's day one, which is the shortest day, which I think is 52 kilometres or something like that. And then it builds up to days three, four and five, 71 kilometres each. So yes, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, and it's, yeah, there's, if you've not been to Wales, it's not exactly flat, is it? There's... No, absolutely. It's yeah. quite technical to start with. Those first couple of days are quite technical. I think it gets, well, easier probably isn't the right word. The terrain gets a bit more forgiving days four, five and six. But obviously by that point, you're completely cream crackered and, yeah. you know, just getting up in the morning is going to be hard work. <laughs> so where are you? What's the arrangement sort of kipping in the night then? Are you in sort of dormitories in a hostel or something or are you kipping on a church floor? Well, that, that the, both those options sound like luxury compared to what it's actually <laughs> going to be. I think they basically it's a um, a farmer's field. They put oh, for the competitors. They they put um, eight man tents up, um, and then the volunteers will sort of put your kit in your in your little bit in this tent, and then yeah, you you your minimum kit has obviously got you've got running kit, but you've also got overnight kit. So you've got a bag. They transport mm. from place to place um so yeah it's, it's sort of um sleeping bag and sleeping mat in an eight-man tent that people move for you while you're running so yeah <laughs> well that's a bit like sort of mds isn't it that's a similar approach yes. although that's yeah. probably a little bit warmer a little bit soundier yeah yeah but i think the challenge is funny because obviously it's a big it's a big big race i've done a few multi-day things with adventure racing and that but this is a whole level up from anything i've done mm. before but the, it's well the running itself doesn't really worrying me other than the so much of it but it's actually the logistics that i'm concerned about it's the you know there's no washing facilities other than the streams um that you might choose to have a bit of a wash in yeah um, and you know getting enough rest and being able to have enough snacks and stuff to keep going it's, it's the non-running that's going to be the challenge i think for i me. suppose so, keeping on top of your kit and stuff isn't it? i've yeah. done things like sort of four miles within four days but they've been from home so yeah. You come home, you throw the stuff in the washing machine, you put a new set on the next day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's going to be. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's something totally different. So I love Wales, so it's going to be mm. going to be great. But uh, completely, 
completely out of my comfort zone, even even with the number of races and <laughs> places yeah. I've been before. And do you know what the kind of finish rate is on that normally? Cause About 50%. It's still quite high for something that really? arduous, isn't it? You'd imagine so, it could be yeah. even smaller. But... Yeah, yeah. So when that was on the five day. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it does only attract experienced people like yourself, isn't it? So it's kind of almost artificially a high finish rate. Cause... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, there is this qualification um standard there's the sort of vetting as as such um as well so i think absolutely you've got to be a certain a certain mindset shall we say to um to enter it in the first place and then okay. yeah only 50 percent of people of that ilk is probably is um, yeah as you say artificially high <laughs> and, and when is it i know it's next year what time of year um september so it's about the middle of september um okay. i think it's the 11th of september next year so that oh it's my wedding anniversary I don't know that'd be why I didn't go <laughs> otherwise I would have gone <laughs> maybe I'll take the wife with a romantic yeah, week away <laughs> cool well, we'll have to have you back on uh, after that whether you whether you finish you'll get timed out halfway but <laughs> I'll give it my best shot that's all I can say <laughs> I know, just just that's one of the right things just getting to the start line and towing it is achievement enough isn't it it's you know yeah I can't, it would be what it is going to try and do as much training as I can and but you know mainly in terms of recceing I think and just being familiar with the the, the sections and just cool. climbing legs that's how I approach most of these things if I can get a good few thousand meters of climb get some experience on the race right. course itself then um, that, that's probably the best the best bet I can give myself you know I presume it's self-navigation is it I presume you're not going to mark a route that long no exactly yeah so self-nav you, you're allowed GPS units and stuff but Essentially, I, I think you know a lot of it is down to what happens on the day and the weather and how familiar you are with it. So um, there are certain sections that are mandatory, um, <clears throat> but uh, a lot of it is route choice. It's, it's sort of that's what I like about it. It's a mix between the kind of orienteering, pure mountain running, and you know various different disciplines. Yeah, I think that would scare me. I've never done a race where you had kind of free form sections in it. You've either been on route or not. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my brain might die at that point. It'll, it'll be good fun. <laughs> cool, excellent. If people want to follow you, are you on Twitter, Instagram? Well, you've got a blog as well. You need to mention. Yeah, so I my um, my Twitter handle is Smiler Steve. Mm-hmm. so um yeah that's the, the main thing and i i do write a, a bit of a blog so i've got a website where I, I sort of blog about any of the bigger races i do which is um which is fearofbeingordinary.com excellent and i would say if anyone's thinking of looking at that don't look at the madeira report in the current climate of britain because it's just depressing it's full of sunshine <laughs> photos and yeah when, when i was reading it before this it was just like oh great it's you know Cold and wet and miserable out, and their photos of beautiful sunsets over crystal clear mountains. It's very depressing. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a great late autumn escape. I was, you know, under no illusion, I was very lucky to get there with everything going on. So, yeah, yeah very, very much lucky to get there and enjoyed it. <laughs> I know it's making me want to do a few more foreign races next year. Although, at the minute we don't even know we're going to get to foreign races with the current uh, passport well, issue, so we'll find out. Fingers crossed for next year. A whole other complexity. That's actually a point we didn't go over. So all these exotic races you've done, do you take out special travel insurance for getting stuck at the side of a mountain and air dropped out? Or are you more of a, um, I presume my E111 or whatever it's called nowadays will cover it? Well, some of them, um, some races insist on it. So it depends, you know, Mm. um, 
what what sort of races you're doing but i tend i found a couple of um companies that specialize in that kind of thing but um that you can get insurance pretty cheap so i do tend to get it i've got mm. an annual cover policy there's there's one um itra the sort of you know the the utmb um group they do one for about it's about 50 quid a year and that's Not repatriation bad, and helicopter rescue that kind of thing if you need it and it's just a bit of peace of mind i've got a comprehensive travel insurance policy which i think cost me about costs about 130 a year so it's not for the you know for multiple races in multiple yeah it's not bad it's worth it i wouldn't want to guess what a helicopter rescue would cost if they've been back to you <laughs> afterwards it would probably be quite eye-watering wouldn't it Actually, your credit card out yeah it's yeah. Like, <laughs> They do a chip and pin as you get on a helicopter. That's it, yeah, they won't take <laughs> off otherwise. So always waiting for to authorise it. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you much for coming on. It's certainly a race, but it's a race series I've not even heard of, but particularly that race. And, uh, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Yeah, well worth looking into. There's some I'm great races. Tempted. It's quite inspiring, yeah. And we'll definitely have you back on when you've done the Dragon's Back to see if you're on with that one. So. Cheers. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Best Mark. of luck for that. Thank you much. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks to Steve there for coming on and talking to us about the Eco Trail Madeira. As I said before, it's not a race I've heard of, even a race series particularly, but it's certainly one that I think would appeal to a lot of people, particularly in the current climate of sitting here in the rain and looking at a miserable British winter. It would be quite good to be having something a bit more exciting to look forward to. Somewhere sunny and a bit more hilly anywhere other than Britain to be honest I think most of us have failed to get out of the country this year and as lovely as this country is it is sometimes nice to get away if there's any races you'd like to see featured then drop me a line the easiest way is probably on Twitter the Twitter handle is Monty the Mole which is M-O-N-T-Y and then the Mole there's also a Twitter for could have run but I don't tend to check that quite as often so if you have messaged me on that and I've not responded yet apologies in advance Game over.